0: This entire week, I'm going to be speaking to you about the judgment seat of Christ, which is one of several judgments mentioned in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 has been talking about the temporary nature of this life and how that this world is not our home, but one day when we leave this world, we're going to be immediately in the presence of the Lord Jesus. Our home is not here. It is there. It is not on this earth. It is with the Lord Jesus. And immediately in verse 9, he says, Therefore, we make it our aim, our goal in life, whether present in this world and in this body or absent to be well-pleasing to him. You see, the goal of the Christian life is to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord Jesus, who bought us with his own blood. And the Apostle Paul reminds us that all of us, every one of us, each of us will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Verse 10, he says, for we must all appear, every one of us, before the Bema, B-E-M-A, Bema, the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or or bad. Knowing therefore the terror, the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known to your consciences. Now as we go through this particular passage, we're going to be setting the stage for the entire week. This week we're going to look at where the judgment takes place, this Bama of Christ who is there, what's going to be the procedure, how do we get there, all of those things we're going to deal with this week. But let's first of all look at what the judgment seat is. There are several judgments in the Bible, Uh, just to name a couple, when Jesus died on the cross, that is when the judgment came against sin once and for all. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid the full penalty for our sins. That is why when a person is saved, they are forgiven not of just what they have done in the past up to the point of their salvation, But the debt has been paid for all of their sin, not just what they've done, but all that they will ever do. Now, sometimes this is hard to get hold of because we have the idea many times, and it's presented, that you need your sins forgiven, that is, everything you've done in the past. But the reality is, when we give our hearts and lives to Jesus, if we're just forgiven of all that we have done in the past, within an hour or two, we would need to be forgiven again. Because it's in our very nature to sin, and as we grow in likeness of Jesus, it doesn't mean that we are sinless, but it should mean that we sin less. But the reality is, for every one of us, we know that sin is being judged in our lives continually as God convicts us of our sin, and we come to Him in humble confession, agreeing with Him about that sin, turning from that sin, and asking for God's grace to walk in obedience to Him. But the fact is, our sin was dealt with at the cross of Jesus. That is why the Apostle Paul, again, in Romans chapter 8 in verse 1 says, right now, right now, on the basis of all that God has done for us that Paul has been talking about in Romans chapter 1 all the way through chapter 7, and what God has done for us in Christ, he says, right now, there is no judgment, no condemnation to those of us who are in Christ Jesus. If you are in Jesus, your sin debt has been paid. You are free. Jesus has borne the cost of all of your sin, and he has forgiven you. And according to that same book of Romans, we have been given the righteousness of Jesus. That means his rightful, righteous life of his obedience to his Father in heaven From the cradle to the tomb, in complete obedience, he lived out his life in total righteousness. And he did not die for his own sin. He had no sin. The wages of sin is death, but he didn't sin, so he would have never had to die. But the reality is he died for you and he died for me in our place as a substitution. That's why it's called a substitutionary atonement, a vicarious death. He died in the place of another and that's you and that's me. And because of that, he is alive. He's declared to be the son of God by the resurrection of the dead, Romans 1, 4. And he gives to you and he gives to me. He places on our account his earned righteousness not his inherent righteousness. We are not God, but we are given his earned obedience. That's placed on our account. And so therefore, when God looks at our account, when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of his own son, not our own sinfulness, or we would never get to heaven. And so we are going to heaven because of Jesus. That's why, totally because of Jesus. That is why we praise him. That's why we worship him. He is God. And so he says, for we must all appear before the Bema of Christ. That each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. You see, after we're saved, God has given each one of us and laid out each one of us a life of godliness that he expects us to live. After all, we're his children. His divine spirit lives within us, and he has a plan for every one of our lives. And we're not going to be judged in relation to each other, we're going to be judged according to his plan for our lives. You see, God has a perfect plan for your life, and when you and I are walking with God, He begins to give us direction more and more and more. As we walk in light, God gives us more light because He has something for us to do that no one else can do just as well as we can. And when we stand before God, we're going to be judged as to whether what we did in this life was good or bad. Good in the sense that we all are thinking of, that which is godly and that which is pleasing to him, but the word bad here is not necessarily talking about evil, whether we've done good or evil, but the word is "phalos," which means bad in the sense of not worth anything, worthless, and so what he's talking about here is good or worthless, good that which is pleasing to God and has value, and bad is that which has no value. You see, if you and I are not fulfilling God's will for our lives, we're wasting our lives. So many of God's children are wasting precious moments that God gives us every day because God has a plan for our lives, and we need to find out what it is and get on with it. And we do that simply by reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God, living in the Word of God, because the Bible is God's words to us. It's his voice to us. It's his direction to us. And the more we're in the word of God, the more we're going to not only know God, but know his plan for our lives so that he can guide us by his eye. We can just read the scriptures and we'll know by his spirit what God wants us to do. You will never know the will of God. You will never fulfill God's plan for your life if you're not studying the scriptures. I'm not talking about just devotional reading. I'm not talking about just light reading. You need to enroll in the school of Jesus. You need to find out what God has put you on this earth to do because God didn't save you just to be walking in the way you always have or to just have Jesus as an upgrade or an add on. Jesus doesn't want to be a part of your life. Jesus wants to be your life. And so every day, every waking moment, we need to be living in an attitude of pleasing God and doing what God wants us to do. Why? Because that is what we're going to be judged against not what someone else did or not the weight or not how many things we did, but did we fulfill what God put us on this earth to do? And if you don't know what that is, you need to fast and pray and read and study until God shows you exactly what you need to do. And until that time, do what you know you need to do. It will be a life that is gold, silver, and precious stones, not wood, hay, and stubble, things that are burned in the fire like 1 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about that we will deal with later on this week. But the first thing I want us to know this week and to get in our hearts is every one of us are going to stand after we leave this life, the moment our eyes close in death, we're in the presence of Jesus. And then in the future, in the future of time as we know it, There will be a great judgment seat of Christ. The Bama is the place where rewards are given out. It would be like what we would call in the evangelical world would be like an Awana award ceremony. And if you've ever been to one, you know what that means. Only rewards are given out. I mean, you look for things that you can give to children to award them, no matter how little or how much that they have done. And I've seen a lot of tears at Wana Awards programs over the last decades. And the reason is not because somebody didn't get something. I mean, you got something if you showed up, just like you will at the judgment seat of Christ. But the fact is, there's going to be some tears it may be because when we see just what God had for us and just how unfaithful we were, that may be a point in heaven for one instant that we stand before God and he has to wipe away the tears from our eyes, not just because of the hurt of something that will be revealed in heaven, but maybe it is that we have missed God's best for our lives. You see, sometimes the enemy of the best is better or good. We need to find God's perfect will for our lives and allow him by his grace to energize us by his spirit to do the will of God so that when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we are handed any kind of reward, that as in the book of Revelation, chapter four and five, we will bow down before him, fall down before him, and cast our crowns, any crowns that we are given. We're not going to strut around heaven. We are going to cast those at the feet of the Lamb of God, whom without we would not be there. I pray this has been a blessing to you as you walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp.